I, uh, I always put it the first. It's always good to see your smiling faces. So let's see a smiling face. I wouldn't want to be lying to myself, now would I? So, uh, <clears throat> it happened again today on the way to church. And, you know, whatever you think about the spiritual gifts, profit motivated versus mercy and all those different things, I kind of have a tendency, although I've become a little more gentle over the years, I would say, some would say, possibly, but, uh, and then some would say not, but um, I uh, kind of outspoken, hard against sin, hate sin, hate, uh, it's just kind of clear, you know, black and white, I mean, there's no like middle ground in a lot of areas, but it happened to me again today on the way to church, and I was just trying to have a great time and looking forward to getting here. And uh, there's a little country church out there, and, and it has a, a wooden cross on the, on the side of the road, just at their entrance. It's a wooden cross, and they have a sign that says, ugly but not the end. And I've, I've appreciated, you know, it is ugly, and, but it's not the end. But today, they had Christmas lights all wrapped around it, around the cross, going green and red and yellow and orange and stuff all over it. And I said, well, why don't they just have Santa Claus sitting there holding the cross or something? I don't know. It just bothers me so bad to see what we have allowed because we are so good at spiritualizing things and making things something that they're really never intended to be. And so, and I, and I do think I attribute a lot of my uh, passion for and concern is when I came back from Vietnam after 13 months in Da Nang. Um, I wasn't actually in the combat. I was in combat zone, but I, my job was uh, offloading bombs and ammunition and off of uh, ships in the Dang Harbor and then so that our guys could go out and, and take out the enemy. And uh, so I got to see them, though, come in from the jungles. And I got to see them, you know, battle-scarred coming in. And, and they were just worn out being out there in those jungles. It was, it was a sight. And then to come back from that in five years with uh, the Houston Police Department, the reality, and, and Dan, I know you can appreciate it, doing as many traffic accidents as, as you did in your uh, tenure, your 28 years, was it, or whatever? Uh, you, the reality, some people never see life and then death like that. You just don't see it. You, you hear about it, you read about it, but it's not really a reality to you on a daily basis. And so when you, when you can envision, and these scenes, you can't even really erase so many of them out of your mind, but the reality that the person was alive and happy, supposedly happy and doing well, and the next minute, car wreck or some other tragic thing happened, and they're, they're lying there lifeless, and their, their life is out of their body. And, it, and it's just so real 
It's so real. It should be real to us. And that's why Christians, I believe, should have a, a passion for souls. We should be concerned about every living, breathing person. We ought to be thinking about their eternal destiny, where they're going to end up one day. And so it's important that we focus on what is really the real meaning and what's really behind this celebration that we call Christmas. Um, another thing that I've experienced in time, uh, you know, trying, and Matt, wonderful lesson once again. I really enjoyed that on the tongue. I told my wife, I said, boy, he really beat me up today. But um, it's hard to keep your mouth shut sometimes when you see things. And, and the, the, what I'm referring to is seeing people go in and purchase a lottery ticket and see them go out and go, you know, doing this number, scratching it off and hoping they win. And I have said this and I've, uh, I, I've actually said, you know, a time or two and I've really worked on self-control and not saying things to people. But um, I've actually said, do you realize your chances of getting hit by lightning is far greater than you winning the lottery? And, you know, of course, they look at me and stare and, you know, what a business is it of yours, you know? Um, I did Google this, and this was interesting. This was brand new. I've, I'd looked in the past, but this one was new to me yesterday. In fact, I would just kind of look it over some things. I researched your chances of winning the Powerball, and I have no idea when I use these terms. I just know it's a term and that, you know, that's my knowledge of it. But your chances of winning the Powerball lottery, get this, is 1 in 292 million. It just kind of makes you want to go out and buy a ticket, doesn't it? Because your chances are so great. I'm just kidding. And by the way, I want to tell you, this is, was settled way back before this building was built, way before, you know, when we were over in the other facility, uh, the other building, the chapel now we call it, uh, this settled over there. If you won the lottery, I hope and pray you're not playing the lottery, but if you won the lottery and you wanted to help the church financially, if we knew it was lottery money, we would not take it. We wouldn't. Well, back in those days, there was a bunch of amens, but now then I think we're desperate. <laughs> but... Uh, <laughs> but you know, there's certain things called dirty money, and I just feel like gambling money is dirty money, and along with other illegal things, and so uh, we just wouldn't wouldn't participate in that. And so I see these people, and you know, they're they're wasting away their money that they could be buying milk and bread for their kids. They could be buying food for their table, and they go buy a lottery ticket, and it's just so hard to imagine because. We have a gift that's been given. It's, it's the gift of God. The greatest gift. And we have that freely given to mankind, to all of us. And, you know, in years past, I preached on the gift of God before. And I've actually gone to the trouble to wrap a package and wrap it up. And I've put cash in it before. And I would stand here at the invitation at the end and I would offer this package to the congregation. 
And it's amazing. Now, once people started catching on, there was cash in there, we had a little more uh, participation. But at first, at first, it was amazing. There were a lot of people. I mean, I could stand there all day. I have a free gift here. I have a gift. I have a gift for you. And all you've got to do is get up out of your chair and come get it. And you know what? Year after year after year, early on, there were times that nobody, and finally somebody would finally get up and come take it, and they'd be surprised, you know, $5 bill or $10 bill or in there, and wow, that was worth the trip. And then the next year, the word would, got, got, would get out, and so then they'd come take it quickly. But it's the greatest gift. That's what Christmas is all about. And I just as, I, as we grow and as we understand and we think about the Lord and, and what all has been given and provided for us, I just can't fathom, I don't comprehend people rejecting and saying no to God as He's given the greatest gift. For them to reject the Son of God and reject God's gift is just... It's how. How can anybody do that? I just, I just do not understand it. So I want us to look at a few scriptures today concerning this gift, this gift of God. These are a lot of very familiar passages, but it's just important that we just look at what God has. And this is what the celebration is about. This is what the celebration is about. So if you will, turn in your Bibles to John 3.16. Who gave the gift? And in other words, if you receive the gift, you receive it from God. And if you're rejecting the gift, if you can imagine, you're rejecting a gift that God has given. You're saying no to that gift. John 3.16 For God so loved the world that He gave, that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Who gave the gift? God has given the gift. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your word. We want to thank you for the uh, truth that we, uh, that we see in your word. We just thank you that, that the Holy Spirit will do a great work in our hearts and reveal to us truth that maybe things that we haven't even thought about before, things that we haven't considered before, things that our minds can't even comprehend. And I just pray, Father, that you would encourage our hearts and help us, Lord, to really come away today appreciating more than ever before, being thankful more than ever before, the very gift of God, the gift that you've given us, that you've given uh, man and uh, provided this free gift for us. And I just thank you that you love us that much. You've demonstrated your love. You've proven your love. And you're just such a loving, wonderful, heavenly father. And you care about us. You're ca you care about our lostness. You care about our sin. You care about our destiny. You care about where we're going to spend eternity. And so I pray, Father, that you would have your way and accomplish your will. And I pray, Father, that you would soften hearts today, that our hearts would be eager to receive. And for those that might be lost, even in this building today, 
without Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior, today would be the day for them to know Him, to come to Him, to believe on Him and trust Him as their personal Lord and Savior. We just love you so much and thank you for loving us the way you do. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So who gave the gift? Who's given this wonderful gift to us? And the scripture says, for God so loved the world that he gave. It's God who's given. It's God who's blessed us with this wonderful gift. And whosoever, whosoever, and by the way, oh, I just love this. Do you believe that that gift is possible to all men or some men? All men. Everyone has an opportunity. God doesn't exclude certain ones saying, you're born with no choice in this. You're born and you don't have an opportunity to receive Christ. God knows who it is, but God offers that gift to everyone. The scripture is very, very clear. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Who will have all, this is 1 Timothy 2.4, and that one, the one before that was uh, Romans 10.13. But 1 Timothy 2.4, who will have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. I believe this gift is offered to everyone, every person, every living, breathing person has an opportunity. God knows who they are. He understands who will and who want, but I believe the offer is open to all. And if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, you shall not perish. Think about that word perish. Think about that word perish. Perish, uh, very simply, I mean, there's so many things in the Greek and the original language you can look at, but the eternal separation from God, eternal separation from those that you love, and being separated from God and, and His presence. I just can't even imagine it. But, but if you're lost, and I, and I want to just say this here. You know, I've seen in 36 years plus now, I've seen individuals from really, really good families. I've seen individuals who have been faithful to this church for year after year after year. I've seen good people come forward during an invitation and tell me, as I'm standing here during the invitation, they tell me, I have never been saved. I'm not really born again. So as I look out here, I look out and I look at you and I see good families. I see good people. I see familiar faces. But I can tell you this, I don't know who out here, and you may be one of the most faithful attendees in the whole place. You may be more faithful than anybody, but I don't know your heart. Only God really knows your heart, and only God really knows if you've been born again, if you've genuinely been saved. Only God knows that, and you have a responsibility Today, because the offer is being given, we're being reminded of this gift. We're being reminded of the greatest gift that's ever been given. And it's up to us. We can hear about it and hear about it and hear about it. 
But until we receive it personally, your parent, listen, young people, your parents can't do it for you. They can't do it for you. They want you to be saved. They pray for you to be saved. They cry out to God in the night for you to be saved. But they can't get saved for you or force you to be saved. It is a decision you have to make. And I'm telling you, it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, I've seen so many. I've, I've, I, uh, I was at a church preaching at another church one time. And this guy... Uh, this person said, the pastor's wife told us, well, this man has been a faithful member of this church for years and years and years, and he walked the aisle, and he was gloriously saved. He was gloriously saved. He came to Christ. So it, it's not going to surprise me if someone in this group today were to say, you know what, I'm here, but I'm not really saved. I'm not really born again, and God knows that, and, and God knows that I needed to hear a strong message about salvation. I needed to hear that if I, if I reject Jesus Christ, I'm perishing. I'm going to be separated forever, eternally separated. I'm going to burn in hell forever. Oh God, I want to be saved. And so today, somebody in this group could get saved. And listen... Anybody doubting that, please don't doubt right now, okay? Don't do that. Don't doubt. Trust God that He is sovereign and He knows who needs to hear a message about salvation. Somebody needs to know that if you die this moment without Jesus Christ, you're going to perish. But if you believe on the Lord Jesus, you shall not perish, but you will have ever lasting life eternal life because of the gift eternal life because God loves you so much eternal life because Jesus God's son died in your place and my place he took our place he paid our sin debt he paid the penalty he's paid it all but it's a gift it's a gift God so loved what? The world. That He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in Him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Second thought that I wanted us to think about today would be the fact that, you know, there, there are folks that are good people. I mean, I've met some really, really religious people, very good people, moral people, uh, honest people, but they believe that they have to do something, in other words, work for this gift. They have to work for salvation. They have to earn salvation because they don't understand that God has given, He's given this, but He's given us a free gift. It's a free gift. It's a gift that, that you and I cannot earn. We can't be good enough. We can't be baptized enough times, and we can't join enough churches enough times. We can't do enough good deeds. You can't volunteer as a, as a volunteer at the hospital enough 
to earn your way to heaven. There's no way. It is all about faith in, in God's free gift, eternal life. So <clears throat> there are scriptures that refer to this gift. John 4.10, Jesus answered and said unto her, if thou knewest the, I just love it. If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked him and he would have given thee, given thee living water. The gift of God. The gift of God. It is a free gift of God. For the wages, this is Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death. We, we, we earn, we, we, because of our sin nature, because of our bent on sinning, we're going to sin. You don't have to teach us how to sin. You don't have to teach a child how to, I mean, what is the first word most children know? It's not yes, it's no. And it's not, they normally don't just hold on and allow you to take them along. They're pulling back. It's that, nature that we're born with, that nature, that bent on sinning. For the wages of sin is death, eternal separation from God. But the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. The gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Romans 8, 32. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things. Freely give us all things. And then uh, Ephesians 2 8. Would you turn there if you have your Bibles? Turn to Ephesians chapter 2. Ephesians chapter 2. It's one of our really our favorite passages, just so powerful. It explains the gospel so well. Chapter 2, Ephesians. Let's look at beginning in verse 4, 2, 4 and following. <clears throat> but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. Then verse 8 and 9, For by grace are you saved through faith. For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. There are people, good people, that we know, I know, and you know, that honestly have been taught. They believe that if I do enough good in life, it'll outweigh the bad, and I'll be able to go to heaven. They want to go to heaven. They're not debating that fact. They want to go to heaven. They even believe in heaven, and they believe in hell. But they want to go to heaven. But they've been taught. They've been told, you've got to be good. You've got to do enough good deeds. You've got to work. You've got to be baptized. You've got to obey certain things. And, and that's just 
contrary to the truth of God's word. For by grace, grace, what is grace? And we all know a simple definition. Grace is God's unmerited favor. Unmerited favor, unearned favor. For by grace are you saved through faith. And that not of yourselves. It's not of yourselves. It's not of works. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. I don't know. You know, uh, some of you remember the story, true story that I've told, that we had a family, real good family, large family, that visited the church for several years. And they came from a work salvation background. And we knew it. They knew it. We knew it. And they were, they were faithfully attending. And so we never, ever sidestepped the issue. We never, uh, you know, patty caked around it. We continue to teach the truth. Well, we had them over. We used to live. We lived, you know, the, what, the fifth house on the left for 19 years. We lived there. We invited them over for a lunch one day. They came over and we got to talking about work salvation versus grace. And the father, uh, you know, we had some great conversations. And I, and I just said, I just asked a question. How do you explain the thief on the cross? How do you explain this verse in Ephesians? How do, how do y'all, when you teach it, how do you teach it? And he kind of sat there and he scratched his head and he said, you know what? I'm not sure how we explain this one. Long story short, after time and the working of the Holy Spirit, one by one, they started getting saved. He got saved, his wife got saved, and then he led all of his kids to Christ, every one of them. And I have the privilege, and I think we even have a video of it, you know, in, the, in that old, old video that we have. But I, I had the privilege. We got all of them in the baptistry over there. I baptized him, and he publicly renounced work salvation. He said, I've been led astray. I don't believe it. I, I see the truth. Salvation is by grace, and I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. And that's it. He renounced baptismal regeneration. I had the privilege of baptizing him. And then I stood back and he one by one baptized his wife. She professed Christ. His children started professing Christ one after another after another. And they all renounced works salvation. They renounced baptismal salvation. And so it's important that we use the Word of God and, and not, not be intimidated, if you will, but be lovingly guided by the Holy Spirit to correct when we have that opportunity. But I think, it, I think actually it took some time. It took a little bit of a building of a relationship. It didn't happen the first time they visited our church. It didn't happen, you know, just overnight. But it did take place over time. And they are serving the Lord today, as far as I know. So it's important that we understand that this is a gift of God, and it's not of ourselves. 
This is not of works. And we need to get it, get it right. And we need to know what's right. So it's out of God's love. It's out of God's grace. It's out of his provision and us believing uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not of ourselves. We can't earn it. We can't be good enough. We're sinners by nature. So God's grace, unmerited favor, God's grace, undeserved favor, totally undeserved because, I, you know what, I've, I've met a few people that think they're really, really great people, but when you get right down to it and you ask them, have you ever lied? Have you ever stolen anything? I mean, even time, you know, you're at work, have you stolen time from your employer? Have you stolen anything, taken anything? Have you ever, ever stretched the truth? Have you ever, ever told a white, little white lie? And people say, well, yeah, but it wasn't that bad. Well, we're all sinners. We're sinners by nature. We're sinful. We're lawbreakers. And the Bible is very clear. If we break one of God's law, just one, we're guilty of breaking all of his laws. So just one is all it takes. And I don't know, really, I think if we're all honest and, and transparent with each other, we'd all say, oh, yeah, my problem is it's not just one a day or one a week. It's multiple times a week. And so, but we're sinners saved by grace. And so we turn to God and we turn to his only begotten son and we believe in him because it is his gift to us. And so God is holding out the gift. He's holding out this wonderful gift to each one of us and giving us an opportunity to be saved. I want to call your attention uh, to 2 Corinthians 9.15. If you, if you have your Bibles open, turn to this verse, and we're going to spend just a little bit of time in uh, 2 Corinthians 9.15, if you would. You know, I don't know how everyone gets their sermons, their messages, uh, when they're preparing, but... Um, a lot of times it's a thought that comes, a scripture, but a thought from scripture. And this was the first thought this week that came to me was on this verse, was the 15th verse, chapter 9, 2 Corinthians. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. I've, I've thought about that. I've researched. I've, I've read what different ones have said about it. This is an incredible little verse right here. And I hope, I hope you've paid attention to it. I hope you've noticed it in your Bible. It's highlighted in my Bible. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. We're talking about the gift of God. We're talking about a gift that God has given to each one of us, made available to each one of us, and it's up to us to receive it. But this gift, the scripture says, is an unspeakable gift. So there's a lot of ways to try to describe this word. And if I read correctly, I, I'm pretty sure I read this. This Greek word here is the only time it's used in the New Testament. Just this one time, an unspeakable gift, referring to the gift that, that we've been given by God. It's too big. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to show you how inadequate our language is, okay? It's too big to describe this gift. 
It's too deep to totally comprehend it. Because, I mean, we try to tell about this gift. We try to tell people about this wonderful gift that's been given, but the Scripture says it's unspeakable. It means it's too big. It's too, too, too deep to totally comprehend it. Our vocabulary, and listen, we know there are a lot of people with great vocabularies. I mean, they just got a, a grasp of the English language and they can paint word pictures like you just cannot imagine. And they can get a, and the very best of the best, it will be inadequate to describe the gift because it's unspeakable. Our human minds are not capable and communicating through our tongue and our words, it's not possible, I believe that scripture is saying, for us to be able to even communicate it because it's the unspeakable gift. I can't fully explain it. It is, we've tried, haven't we? It's unmerited favor. It's the grace of God. It's God willing to sacrifice His Son on the cross. It's Jesus dying and, and shedding his blood and paying for our sins. I mean, how, how do you even describe that? I mean, we owed God and Jesus paid it all. We owed God. We, we're indebted to God for our sin. And he's a just God. He requires justice. And yet Jesus has died in our place. How do you explain that? It's beyond explanation. It's without description. We're not able to describe it. There's no language that's adequate to describe this grand and glorious gift. You, you, can, you can try all you want to. It's the glory of God. It's the wonder of God. It's the richness of God. It's the splendor of His gift. And it's been given to all men. Words fail. Communication fails. It's inadequate. And it's not gifts plural, like the gift of life, the gift of health, but it's a single gift. It's a single gift. The Apostle Paul was writing about the one and only unspeakable gift. It's the unspeakable gift. So I looked up different ones, W. Vine, John MacArthur, and Matthew Henry. So let me just very quickly tell you what, what they said. W. Vine said it denotes inexpressible. It's, you can't express it. I mean... It's unspeakable. You can't express it. There's no way to describe it. John MacArthur, I mean, this was this, I thought, I found it fascinating to see what these different ones. He said, God buried his son and reaped a vast harvest of all those who have placed their faith in him. And, and that's true, but that doesn't completely describe the gift. <laughs> It doesn't completely tell the story because it's bigger than what we can describe with words. 
I think it's bigger and more massive than we can comprehend with our brains on this side of heaven. I think once we cross over and we go to heaven, we're going to be able to get a glimpse and we'll have all of eternity to begin to understand. Matthew Henry said, and I thought this was great, it's a little bit longer, said, some think by this unspeakable gift, he means the gift of grace bestowed on the churches and making them able and willing to supply the necessities of the saints, which would be attended with unspeakable benefit, both to the givers and receivers. It should seem rather that he means Jesus Christ, who is indeed the unspeakable gift of God. Unto this world a gift we have all reason to be very thankful for. We have every reason to be thankful for. So Christmas 2022, I can't even believe it's here. I can't believe it's happening so fast. But God has encouraged us today to think about this gift of God and how important it should be. I do have a concern, and I've, I've, never, I've never stood back and not said my concern. I do have a concern that when we try to intertwine the world's view and the world's approach to Christmas, when we mingle it together and spiritualize different things, I personally believe it's very confusing to children as they're growing up. And, and you've heard me tell this story. I mean, I, I loved our parents, Carolyn, you know, we loved our parents, but they hired, they hired the man from the hardware store that played Santa Claus. They hired him to come to our home on Christmas Day. And I was like 12 or 13, 12, something like that. And I walked into the living room and exiting our living room was a man in a red suit. And he waved at me, and I'm thinking, that was him. Now, I wasn't saved, okay? I wasn't saved. But they had hired this man to play Santa Claus and be in our home. He was just leaving as I, as I woke up. I went to school. And I'm 12 years old trying to tell the kids, my peers at school, I don't care what you say, I, I saw him. I saw him on Christmas morning. He was leaving my house. And, it, and it, I don't think it warped me. I don't think it made me, you know, slow to receive Christ or anything like that. But I wasn't a Christian. But I think Christians, we ought to know better and we ought to understand why would Satan have such a push? The two big events, Christmas, the birth, and Easter, the resurrection. Why would Satan have such a push during those times? We need to see from spiritual eyes what's happening behind the scenes. And listen, Satan hates Jesus. He hates the birth. He hates the resurrection. And if he can get us distracted, and get our minds off of the real meaning and the real purpose for celebration, then he'll do it. And sad to say, many of us have fallen for it 
hook, line, and sinker. So I, it's just my appeal. Somehow, if you can somehow separate it, separate it out, let it be the, the, the gift of God that he's given, Jesus Christ. It's an unspeakable gift. We can't even begin to describe it. But if you want to have family traditions and family celebrations, do that. But as strong believers, we shouldn't be trying to mix and mingle the two together. Because I just believe that's, we'll find out in heaven. You mark it down, a little thing, you know, you take notes. Mark it down. One day in heaven, you're going to say, you know, that, old, that preacher was right. It's not about a tree. It's not about a man in a red suit. It's about my son coming to earth and dying for us sinners. And it's a celebration about him. Yeah, let's give each other gifts. I mean, give me all the gifts you want. I'll take it. The opportunity is there. The invitation is available to all. And it's up to us to respond. And I don't know who, but I can promise you this. If you're here today and you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, and if you, want, you had the courage to come forward and, and tell me, you know, I want to get saved. I've never been saved. If you had the courage to tell me, I promise you we will not embarrass you. We will not give you a Bible drill. We'll not, you know... Make, make fun of you, but I, I plead with you. If you're lost here today, if you don't know Jesus as your Lord and Savior, today could be the greatest day of your life. Don't let pride keep you from it. Don't let staring eyes keep you from it. Receive the greatest gift that's ever been given. It's unspeakable. We can't even explain it. But it's for us, for all of us. And if men, if y'all want to pray... We ought to be praying for souls in this room and those that are listening in live stream. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for the word of God. We thank you for your love and your grace.